Welcome to In the Lap of the Pods Queen podcast with Paul, Joe and myself, David. We're assuming you're back because you listened to the first one and enjoyed it. Or you're absolutely raging with the first one and you want to come back and listen some more to get even more angry about the stuff we've come out with. And if that's the case, then fantastic. Good. Thanks. Hi. <laughs> you're still listening, so that's that's good. So we are going to be talking about Queen 2 this time. Uh, we talked about Queen, of course, in the first podcast, and a lot lot to talk about in that first one, given that it was a band's first album. And, yeah, they were just getting established, and, and now we're moving on to Queen 2, and for all of you out there that, that are familiar with this album, you realise that there is quite a difference between the first one and the second one. And in some ways, a lot of similarity as well at the same time, but... We're going to talk about that, of course, in the podcast. So the album was actually recorded uh, one month after the release of Queen. It was actually recorded in August 1973. So, you know, you know, it was only a, a, a month um, Queen had come out, the first album, and then they'd already had the second album in the bag. Some of the songs themselves date back to, similar to the first album, date back to the earlier 70s, 71, and some some suggestions that some of them actually date back to 69. Suggestion that Freddie was also working on Seven Seas or Eyes early as that as well. So let's assume that's true. I've got no reason to believe it's not true. So, um, so some of these songs, even on the second album, are as old as some of the songs on the first album. It was released on the 8th of March 1974. It was actually delayed due to the oil crisis in 1973, apparently because they couldn't produce vinyl because the oil was used in the production of vinyl. So that slowed down the album coming out. And also, apparently, John was credited as Deacon John again. So they, the band insisted that that was corrected and that, that delayed the, the release of the album as well. It might seem, obviously, to the Queen fans at the time that weren't in the know that, wow, this band is really productive, they're really throwing this stuff out, but the reality was, <laughs> you know, that it was probably quite a, a normal a normal churn of the music in terms of uh, how they were putting it out. The album came out, and they mentioned on their album that no one played synthesizer uh, again, you know, as they do in the first album, no one played synthesizer. So that's obviously, obviously something they were very proud of at the time. Um it might be a bit uh, sanctimonious to put that in your album, but I think that's kind of what Queen were <laughs> at this point in time. They, they just didn't care, you know, and they were they, they were quite happy to celebrate their pomposity, I guess, you know, and in many ways. So I think that's fine. That's I quite like that. Queen two, right? Uh, let's get to it. Let's talk about the album itself. Uh, Joe, I'm going to come to you first. Uh, so Queen two. Talk me through your, your feelings for this album and, and and how it is for you, how it sits. It's a, it's a difficult one to really describe, I think, because there's, there's so much going on, um, like you said, in comparison to the, the first album, it's almost night and day. Um, like There is obviously similarities, but the compositions are a lot more complex. Everything about it's just so much denser. Um, the melodies, the vocals are, are far more... Um, intricate in their construction, guitars same, you know, all the learning and stuff like that. I think the songwriting is um, is a lot more experimental than the first record as well. It took, I think for a band 
to be on a second record, uh, especially with how maybe straight rock a lot of the first record is. It's quite ballsy, I thought, um, to you know, in hindsight, looking back at it, to, to have a second record that, if anything, isn't very easy to digest. I think, you know, I think it's quite a, it's quite an involved album. It's something you you, you really need to sit and, and listen to. It. Whereas I think um, the first Queen record. I think a lot of it was maybe written for like for the stage because it's straight up rockers and stuff like that. Whereas this album's much more, I think, in terms of um, sit down and really listen, listen to the music and listen to the parts. It's just a very, very complex, dense album. There's so much going on in it. And it is definitely um, one of my favourite Queen records for that reason. Yeah, I think I agree with all of that. As I said in the first podcast, <laughs> we're probably going to agree quite a lot in these early albums, you know, between the three of us. And I think um, one thing that came into my head when you talked about the sort of complexity, complexity of the album, the, the fact that it's not an easy first listen. Um, and I think that's for me, and I think it's the same for the rest of you guys, that they are the albums that resonate with you for years, yep. years, year after year. Because if the album is too simplistic and ideas and, you know, some bands get away with it. You know, you can still listen to Black and Black by ACDC over and over again. It's simple, but it's, it's just got something about it. It's got that X factor, that thing you can't put your finger on. But for the yeah. most part, when bands release a simple album, it wears on you after about three or four listens. And I think, you know, that's the point you're making, Joe. The, the complexity makes it more intriguing. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm waffling on a wee bit. So, Paul, I'm going to bring you in and uh, get your thoughts um well to me queen 2 is a flawless masterpiece what can i say uh, uh, you know compared to the first album you know obviously they had more time in the studio they had they could actually record and you know a reasonable time a day and all that and they had all the time that they needed and i think that just allowed them to just produce this thing that um you know, was obviously in their heads and they managed to get it down in vinyl. It's just incredible. The first time I heard it, it kind of went over my head and I would maybe go back to a night opera, a day to races, that kind of thing, which are more accessible. But when I did get into it, it's just unbelievable. Um, just the whole package as well, side white, side black, the, you know, the, the iconic cover, um, it's just a whole package. You know, it's it's all thought out. Whereas the first album is maybe done a wee bit on the hoof kind of thing. But this one is just the thought that's went into it. Um, sonically, you know, visually and all that. Just unbelievable. To me, it's the greatest thing they ever did. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So you go out there on the limb, Paul, and say it's your favourite Queen album? It's, uh, no, it's not my favourite Queen album. Um it's, I think it's the best thing they ever did, but my favourite Queen album is A Night in Opera, but that's for personal reasons, because it's the first LP I ever bought, and it's got so much, it brought me so much joy and everything, that I've got an emotional investment in that, rather than Queen 2, but the, you know, the the side of me that's um, appreciates music and all that, would say that Queen 2, Queen 2 is the, the best thing they ever did. I would agree. I would actually. I would agree. I would agree with that because Queen Two is yeah. my favourite record. But I, I agree that it's the most. Yeah. It's the most accomplished thing that they ever did musically. 
yeah, I think that's a that's a really good point from both of you. Although um, before we started the press record, both Joe and uh, Paul were saying how the Miracle was their favourite Queen album. So <laughs> I think they're actually just saying that um, true, on this podcast. True. They sound sound cooler than they actually are. So. Um, but oh, I'm, I'm kind of spoiling it for when we come to the medical. You know? <laughs> um, we'll that probably... <laughs> no, we will cover the medical because it is a Queen album. We will cover it. But anyway, back to 1974 and uh, Queen Two. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, the, the album is is absolutely up there with. Um, I've said this to, to the guys before, I don't actually know what my favourite Queen album is. It probably changes from year to year or a month to month. Um, but it's definitely one of my favourites out of the, the catalogue for all the reasons, again, that, that you, you've all mentioned. I would challenge when Paul says it's flawless, I don't think it's flawless. I think there's there's a one track on it that I wish wasn't on it. Okay, and then it <laughs> then it would have been flawless. Um, I would even go as far as to say there's two. Okay, right, that's mm. interesting. Right, well, that, my, that's, not, that's not to say that I don't like those two songs, but yeah. I just don't think they're anywhere near as good as the, the, the great songs that are on it. Oh, I wonder what songs we're going to talk about. Let's let's leave that hanging then, just for, the, mm. for a bit of suspense for the listeners, you know, like they really... <laughs> Give a shit, you know, but <laughs> uh, but uh, we'll leave that hanging around and we'll come back to that. But yeah, I think it's an absolute. Um, it is a. It is a. Can you call it a masterpiece? If I'm already saying there's a song that shouldn't be on it, I think you still can, yeah, because I think the rest of it is so strong that you know it brings it up to that to that level of of a masterpiece. I think it's one of the best pieces of music that that's been put on 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 vinyl well i mean i've been vinyl at the time anyway i just absolutely i, I love i love the you know the side this the side white the side black thing i think works yeah. really well yes it's pretentious yes it's you know we can discuss all these things but i think it works well and you know just diving straight into tracks here the the the, the thing that i really like is you've got the kind of um you know introspective Sort of stuff from Brian May, the first three songs, you know, Father to Son, White Queen, Someday One Day, and then you've got Roger with uh, Loser in the End, and it just brings it back to the street. <laughs> you know, you've got this kind of, you know, and then at the other side, it's back to fairies and, <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff, you know. That was a point I actually noticed, actually, and I hadn't noticed it because it wasn't until I looked at the credits for the songs. Um, I loosely knew who wrote what and stuff like that, sure. but when I but when I actually realised that Freddie didn't write anything on the first side, yeah, if you will, yeah. um, but you can kind of you can kind of hear that and like you were saying, David, and the, the lyrical what, what the songs are about, and even the the, the kind of vibe of the songs as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. I mean, we know we know we know from Queen's catalogue that. Roger writes the the kind of fun, the kind of teenage angst type stuff, and you know the you know this the you know like I said, it's just it, it's I really like the fact that it, it sits almost in the middle of the album, and it's just this kind of you know bringing it back down to the, kind of the base elements in terms of just the swagger the song's got, and you know just yeah. the, the drum sound at the start. It's just it just Some it great, just yeah, great percussion at the start. Yeah. You know, amazing. So I thought maybe uh, the reason I mentioned that first is because I think we're probably going to talk about a lot of the bigger compositions. So I thought 
we might not get a chance to mention that as much. So I thought let's start off with possibly the simplest that song on the album, but um, no less, no less a great song. I, I absolutely love that song. It's just like I say, got that swagger and that vibe to it, you know. That's uh, and Roger's voice is absolutely incredible on it. So obviously, in this album with we little bits of Brian and Roger, you know, taking a lead line here and there in the first album, certainly in the middle section of. Uh, uh, keep yourself alive. The week back and forth with Brian and Roger, and then you've got obviously um, other times rock and roll in the first album with Roger. But you've got Brian May singing a full song here um, on the very folk kind of influenced. I would say some some day one day. Great track. I really like that. It's a really kind of again just takes it down and just just simplifies it yeah. a wee bit for because I think if we if we, the whole album had been March of the Black Queen and even Ogre Battle and Fire of the Sun, if it was all of that. Through the entire album, you might be thinking, right, okay, dial it back just slightly yeah. here, you know. But I think yeah. they managed to get the dynamics of the album really well, you know, it flows really well. Okay, side, you know, side black or side two, whatever you want to call it, the Freddie compositions, it is a bit of a roller coaster, you know, in terms sonically, and it doesn't let up. It's pretty much, it just goes, yeah. it, it uh, lets up a wee bit, seven seas awry, but, you know, and, uh, to that point, it is pretty. Yeah, the flow, the flow is incredible. Let you know, take that track someday, one day. Um, may you know, towards the end, it gets into the kind of guitar harmonics, you know, and it and it kind of starts trailing off, and then it's just punctuated by uh, Roger's hi hat at the beginning of "Lose on the End." You know, just comes right in, and the separation of all the tracks. You know, some do merge into the other, but. Even when they don't, they're, they're so close together. It's just, it's just like it's, it's not giving the listener any time to take a breath. Almost, it's just it's it's great. You know, the sequencing. The, the, the you know, I, I don't have any issues with the, the order of the songs. It, it's to me, it's just it's great. It's a it's a complete package. It's like a a symphony or something. The sequencing of it, like Paul said. Always Queen that the second Queen record always kind of feels like one continuous song to me that just has different mm-hmm. parts because there's very little space yeah. between it between it and like you I think you said to me Paul a couple of days back yeah. uh, about that and I've always noticed I've always noticed it um, subconsciously mm-hmm. but it wasn't until you actually said it I mean that's why that album kind of feels like that which is really silly to say because you'd think it would be blatantly obvious, but sometimes it's not until you start doing something like this where you analyse things properly. You think, oh, that's that's why that record kind of feels like one cohesive, big, long song yeah. with multiple sections. Right. But I agree that the, that record flows amazingly well. I keep, and, um, I keep, I keep seeing the word package as, you know, and... And the likelihood is this is just a collection of songs. I, you know, like David alluded to at the start, some of them were written like four years beforehand and five years beforehand and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as if they sat in a room and they wrote this thing. I think um, um, speaking for experience that, like, you know, yeah. like, um, you just find, you, you write songs and then you find that you as the individual or the band collectively find best running order and it just so happens that that yeah. record's just very very there's nothing jarring there's nothing that comes right out yeah. and makes you think oh that that doesn't really sit right there or anything yeah i think i think um i suppose the point 
maybe Paul you're making is it does it, you know it sounds like it was all maybe they all got together for a period yeah. of three months and hammered that album out it does sound like that though not yeah. in the sense that they, they, they rushed that or anything but it does sound like it was one cohesive piece of music given what you've said about the, the mm-hmm. time period for the individual tracks so um, that's that's obviously an art in itself and as Joe said the order of an album is exceptionally important and um, yeah. you know to get that right is is, is that's almost I wouldn't say it's as important as the songs themselves, but it's it's certainly a, a large percentage of what makes an album good is the running order, you know. Exactly. Uh, you know, so mm-hmm. but no, fantastic. Um it's it's just it's yeah, we we, we sort of alluded to the production um uh, a wee bit earlier. The I, I, I absolutely love the sound of the album. Um big difference from the first album. The first album was as we discussed was you know, a bit um, all over the place in terms of um, sound for the reasons, again, we discussed in the, the first podcast, makes sense. But this second one, given it was one session and, and it was all recorded at the same time, it, and, and just they got the sound right, they got that big room sound that they were wanting on the first album that they didn't get, you know, the drum sound fantastic. When I listened to it, well, I listened to it um, after, after we finished the first podcast, uh, just the headphones, just lying before I went to bed and it, it was so overwhelming, you know, the album in, in a good way, in a positive way. It was just washing right over me, you know, and, and I think that's... again, that's that's Yeah, it's just mark a genius, you know, and I just... It's, sometimes it's hard to put any words, you know, how you feel about a certain, certain album, think, certain song, um, certain band, whatever, you know, but it's... it's yeah. I'm just, I was just going to say that I agree. It's, it's, it's a very... You can immerse yourself in that album, yeah. Uh, because, like I said, I think it's got a lot to do with the way it's sequenced as well because there aren't any defining, definite long gaps between songs. It kind of just flows. And it's probably, uh, although it's dense and uh, it's dense in the, in the sense that, the, you know, the, the amount of ideas that's, that's in it, it's still got a lot of space, if you know what I mean. It's got a lot of width to it, but like, like a prog, like a kind of prog record you would yeah. expect. You know, you can really kind of lose yourself in, in passages. That I'm just that it's it's very um, the music's the paints a picture for me a lot more than other Queen records do. A lot of the other Queen records are, are amazing records, but they're, they're like songs if you know what I mean. They're like yeah. here's a song, here's a song, here's yeah. a song, here's a song. But it's this is a lot of experimentation with uh, passages where there's not a lot of vocals happening. There's music happening and stuff like that, which Queen didn't really do that much after this record. Did moments. But I think that's what you were saying, David. I think that's why you can kind of lose yourself in it. And kind of, there's a lot of musicality to it. It's not just all about, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, then outro sort of thing. It's, mm-hmm. And I, for that reason, I think that's why we all three as love it as well, because it's, a, it's very it's deep, it's a very dense, and it's dark as well. It's a majorly dark album. Although it's got stupid stuff, not stupid, but I know it's got silly stuff parts on bits and songs but the general vibe of the record and that comes down to the packaging that Paul said as well the the packaging when you look at that cover you know the way you, you know you, the way you used to when you looked at vinyl and you, you kind of that cover kind of would set the mood for the music if you know what I mean mm-hmm. yep the yeah, cover's that, right there yep. yeah and yeah, you look at that cover and, yeah. you, and right away it's, to me that's like um, some sort of dark it's, obviously it's dark it's black but you know what I mean it's, it's very 
Um, it's very iconic and it, it sets a dark mood to the whole to the whole record for me. Absolutely. So yeah, I've got the I've got the the vinyl um, here. I know you guys can't see this obviously because you might have it yourself anyway. But but you've got. I mean, it's it's, it's talking about the package. Um, so you've got obviously the, the couple that everyone's familiar with. Then you've got the gatefold, and you've got the the kind of the white say the queen. So you've got the black the black queen on the front, and then you've got the kind of the white queen and and the, the, the as part of the gatefold. But the package, I remember, it was at Mick Mick uh, Mick Rock's Mick Rock. Yeah. Obviously, took the photograph. He said he, he wanted to make the band look a bigger deal than what they actually were at the time. So mm. they all, you know, they come Which up is what you do. makes them look like these guys have been at it for a decade. You know, yeah, exactly. And 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 you know, and they look like gods. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously the Marlena Dietrich the influence and all that. You know, most of the guys out there all know about, and uh, it's all out there to be to be seen. Um, they were asked if the album was a concept album, if it had a theme. And, you know, I think they, they kind of said, yeah, it does, but it's not it's not about anything, one one particular thing, you know. Yeah. There was a rumour that the band approached David Bowie to produce the album. Uh, what do you think that would have sounded like? I think given what we've said about the album being a masterpiece and... You know how big an album it is for us, and and as a whole, you, you can only assume that you know it would be worse because mm-hmm. you know <laughs> how can you improve on a masterpiece? The, the other thing I think um, when I think about that situation is I don't think it would have worked in terms of personalities. I think you've got Queen, especially Freddie and Brian, extremely strong personalities, extremely sure of what they want. And you've also got David Bowie with the same feelings, you know, the same strong opinions on things. And, and so I think it would have been loggerheads. I don't think they would have actually got the album done. I think probably what would have happened within the first week, two weeks, is they probably would have parted company. And it would have delayed the album and they'd have got someone else in. And maybe Queen 2 wouldn't be that album that you, you actually know and love. You know, obviously the songs would have still have been there, but in terms of the focus and the drive to make that album at the time might have been a bit skewed. And I love I love David Bowie. We, I think we obviously we all do. <laughs> there we go. We agree on everything again. But um, everything he's done since you know Hunky Dory through to even Scary Monsters, it's all uh-huh. you know it's it's all great stuff. And but I just think he's a very strong personality, very original and individualistic. And but so is Freddie. So is Brian. No disrespect to David Bowie, but I'm glad it didn't happen because possibly Queen's, you know, career might have been a little bit different had that happened. I don't know. I don't know. It's a hard one. It's it's always hard to hard to know. But that would be my take on it. For me personally, I think, um, you know, what what had David Bowie done uh, production wise up to then? I think he'd done the Stooges Raw Power album and. A kind of stripped down, you know, proto punk kind of album or whatever. Um, so it, you know, uh, the way Queen Two ended up sounding, I don't think <laughs> we might, we would have got there with David Boy at the hill. It's uh, it'd be a hard one to, to kind of square, and I and I think you're right, David, about the personalities as a band themselves, the four members of Queen. 
I've, I've said several times over the years that they used to have like awful, terrible fights amongst themselves, and then you'd add another very strong personality, you know, into that, then uh, it might not, <laughs> it might not have uh, been a been a good mix, you know. Yeah, the personalities would have most definitely have clashed, like you said, David, to um, people, two different camps that. Are very very set and they're, they're kind of <clears throat> their way of doing things creatively and stuff like that. And I'm speaking from what I think would be the case, but I don't think David Bowie would have brought anything to it that Queen didn't already bring. If you know what I mean, uh, that's just me personally. I I, I like David Bowie, Bowie, however you want to pronounce it. But yeah, I don't see how it would have benefited it really. I think, like you said, it would probably have hindered it. Maybe sonically as well, I think it would have handled it because, like, he'd done, like you said, I think it was Raw Power, but the Stooges and stuff like that. I mean, that's a that's a good sounding record and it's really raw and stuff like that, but at that, that point, Queen were kind of, they, they weren't doing, you know, like three chords kind of stuff like the Stooges were doing at that point. They were a lot more intricate and stuff like that. I'd even go as far as to say they're probably more experimental than, than Bowie in some ways. Um, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, that's true, because I suppose uh, with Boy, he was just about to enter his really, um, yeah. you know, um, experimental period, you know, the Berlin trilogy and all that, you know, that was to yeah. come, you know, a couple of years later. Um, so, yeah, agree with that. I'm going to be bringing up reviews a bit later, but I don't want to start mm. talking about them now, because I don't want that to dominate the podcast, because I think we're going to be talking about the music and and this absolutely great album. So reading up, obviously, on the album before uh, we did this, as you guys probably have as well, you know, it was it was interesting seeing a quote from uh, Brian May when he talked about the music uh, on the album. He was, he was kind of alluding to Zeppelin and The Who as the bands that were kind of, you know, the, the kind of almost the inspiration, not the inspiration as such, but the kind of almost the, the vibe of, of how the album was. Not in any direct ways, as, as such. I mean, about, I yeah, yeah. Especially uh, the who, the who. I can hear Quadrophenia. Yeah, I think so. Some of the kind of, you know, the kind the of concepts, dynamics, you know, the the, the froggy Aye. kind of stuff, you know. I think. Aye. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I thought it was interesting that the, the Who wasn't wasn't one of the bands that I would have listened to and thought, oh, I'm, I can hear the Who, and I'm thinking of the Who when I listen to this. But when he mentioned it and he thought about it, like, I can see it. I can see the mm. maybe the, the structure and 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 of certain certain songs. I can get can I get that? Um, obviously, later sixties Who's opposed to the you know the sort of Carnaby Street sort of early Who, you know the the, the proper you know famous Who, you know the, the you know the the classic who, if you want to call it that. Ogre Battle. We talk about Ogre Battle. Um, again, that was a song that was about for a wee while. I think they were playing it live prior to the album being recorded as well. So it'd been around around a, a, a wee, wee bit of time. The backwards kind of uh, intro, you know, I think it's just mm-hmm. absolutely just just brilliant. It's simple, Genius. you know. Record it, record it the normal way and reverse it. You know, there's nothing, you know, production mm-hmm. technique wise. It's there's nothing, you know. Um, you know that that interesting, but it just sounds sounds fantastic, and the way it just just hits the drum and it just straightens up into the into the song again. Another bit of, anyway, it just kind of you know fades in, you know. And I think that's the thing we we obviously in the, you know the the 
MP3 age, the even the CD age, actually, you know, in the 80s. Side 1 and Side 2 didn't, didn't seem to be matter anymore, you know. But back then, a band was thinking about, right, this, the, the album's going to end temporarily here. Yep. And when they flip over that yep. vinyl, it's going to start here. So they were really conscious about what, how how the first side ended and how the first the second side started. So and I yep. think they got that absolutely bang on. But, you know, we all got battle the way it came in, and uh, just again, just thunderous, aggressive, similar vibe to the first album, but it's got the production behind it this time. And um, just one thing I wanted to mention. I'm kind of going all over all over the place, but one thing I wanted to mention in case I forgot was um, Freddie's vocals on White Queen absolutely brilliant the way they're just mm-hmm. absolutely controlled and just that soft way he's singing absolutely spot on you know his vocals on that that and that that was that was probably the first time maybe possibly as a as a as a queen fan or a music fan at I, the time that got the album you're thinking this guy this, this guy's maybe got something about him you know that's maybe, weird because that's weird because i thought exactly exactly when i was listening to it it's exactly the, one of the points I was going to bring up, that's the first time that I, I hear Freddie becoming like, you know, that, that singer that's, this guy's got something different happening. And it is on that song because it's, it's quite stripped back and stuff like that. And you can just hear him and he's carrying the song. You know, it's, I totally agree, 100%. Yeah. And I think Paul Paul mentioned about the, the soft, quiet stuff on uh, the first album. And I think... Um, I think you hear hear it on this album in absolute abundance. One thing I, when I was looking at the the vinyl, and I was looking at the uh, the band members and who played what. And obviously, we know you know what instruments the band actually play. But you know, obviously, on the the earlier albums, they they would pick up all their instruments. And John Deacon's credited as playing acoustic guitar. And I initially thought it was maybe in funny how love is. I thought maybe that's that's what he plays on. Father to son. Father to son. Nah, uh, I just read mm-hmm. read it today. He plays acoustic guitar and uh, Father to son. And cool. uh, which which is yeah, which is not the one I would have immediately thought that John would play on. You know, so um, I thought maybe John had collaborated with Freddie on Funny How Lovers in some small way, but Freddie still got the, the the credit for it or something. But no, that was interesting. Uh, but I think that's good. That was the good thing about Queen in the seventies. You know the. the they, they picked up different instruments and, and added different vibes to the songs um, through that. I think as well, it's when you actually think about how, how big a figure Freddie was and stuff like that, to let two full songs on his album go to the guitar player and the drummer to sing shows just how uh, it wasn't that egotistical and he obviously didn't have a problem with stepping back and saying, right, those songs sound better. When you guys sing them. Yeah. This is definitely a band, like we said before. You know, it's yeah. not yeah. Freddie and the boys or whatever. Which I think a lot of people think, and that proves yeah. That, yeah. that proves to me otherwise. You're right, but for someone who's who's so sure of what he wants to be and what he wants the band to be and and you know that I'm the front man and, and you know and, and all of that, you think you would be resistant. Uh, and I think just to point on Brian's voice, I think Brian's voice, you're right, it did. At that point in Queen's history, um, his voice really suited what he was singing yeah, on, yeah. on Queen stuff, and um, because yeah. it was that understated, very, very folky, folky, exactly. I mentioned folky. Star, that folky yeah. vibe to it, and um, yeah. you know, that's what his strength was as a as a singer. You know, I, 
I don't want definitely to wasn't in rock songs. I'll tell no. you that. I, I, no, I don't want not a rock singer. Your, no, no, that's what I was about to say. No. I don't want to driven, driven by you. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. guitar so, solo was good though. I <laughs> Okay, right. Let's take a look at the reviews for Queen Two when it actually came out at the time. I think since. Um, 1974, you know, going into the 80s and 90s and up to the present day, most of the views are actually pretty amazing about Queen 2, to be honest. But at the time, as predicted, as as we all know about Queen and reviewers in the 70s especially, well, in fact, throughout their entire career, I'd say, um, wasn't it great? Um, so the Winnipeg Free Press in Canada said it was depressing. <laughs> Good. Um, depressing in the sense that it, it was a depressing um, effort. It wasn't a depressing sounding album. It, you know, it, it was depressing that it was that bad. Um, and they went on to say, it sounds as if it's been shoved into a computer and regurgitated in the form of a bunch of tired, unoriginal music cliches. <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> do you know what, man? Do you know, do you know, do you know what I get for that? I just get, I get a bunch of... Fun- I'm going to say a bunch of fucking dinosaurs, right? That don't know how to how to deal with it, deal with it, you know, something like that. So instantly they don't get it, so they hate it, which is usually the case with most great things that become further down the line, well known as being great. You know, it's, it's, it was ahead of its time. But um, the same reviewer had reviewed the first album really favourably and said it was great. Um, and then probably more of a straight rock guy. And it was it was interesting because the reviewer I don't know I didn't get a name uh, just to mention it was from the Queen Archives site so um, the Queen Archives site has uh, lots of different reviews and articles from Queen throughout the years um, really worth checking out so if you want to actually do some reading up and actually original articles and and reviews uh, go check it out yeah just on this particular review like I say I don't know who the actual reviewer was but just the Winnipeg Press in Canada and <laughs> the. The reviewer mentioned, it said that, you know, the band Captain Beyond managed to achieve this sort of stuff better on their debut album. Now, I'd never heard of Captain Beyond. I don't know if no. you... First time ever. Right. Uh, and I just thought... Just how good they were. Well, Lost Classic, is it? And that's well, why we're doing a podcast about them right now in 2020. <laughs> well, there you are, eh? But I thought, no, I'll check them, check them out because... You know, I'd never. You know, when someone mentions a band I've never heard of, her, you know, under in, in a particular context, I, I kind of predicted what it was going to sound like before I, I heard it. Thought right, nineteen seventy four, the guy or girl is moaning about um, the fact that it's not. You know, they they had they had the heavy metal fans, you know, up off their seats in the first album, and they've kind of made an ass of it in the second album. So I thought, right, I, I bet. I, I'm going to guess that this album is pretty straight rock. You know, we have that early seventies rock sound. It's pretty. You know, Paul mentioned the, the you know the word unremarkable in the first one. You know that kind of thing. It's probably going to sound like that. Or probably, and sure enough, when I listened to it, I went, aye, that's kind of exactly the album I expected this to be. Now, in, in fairness to it, it's not a bad album when you actually listen to it. It's, it's just a straight, straight up rock album. There's, there's some good wee vibes on it. The drummer's particularly good, you know, on the album. Um, but in terms of like layering and and you know, structuring and all that, I was like, why is this reviewer even mentioning this band in the same review as this album? 
it's not even a similar style. I don't think they were alluding to it to be in the same style, but in terms of you know layering and 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 ideas and being out there, not it, it's not even in the same ballpark. So to me, it's kind of I agree with Joe a wee bit. It's a it's a bit like I've, I'm like a one dimensional kind of way of looking at music and looking at things. I either can't handle it, or you know uh, you know even if the review was. Do you know what? This might take me four or five or six listens to, to, to maybe digest it. But at this moment in time, I'm really not sure about it. Fine. I, I get that. I understand that. You know, we, we talked about it. it's not an easy listen first time. But yeah, I just it just kind of really bothered me. That Captain Beyond band, it sounded like a, a deep purple cover band in, in a lot of ways. You know, they had their own original ideas. But you're thinking, so you're comparing Queen to Queen, who in this album has really started to carve out their own sound. To a band who's copying another band. It just shows you, as Joe said, these absolute rock dinosaurs, you know, even existed as early as 1974, you know. It wasn't even into the 80s, you know, the guy with the mullets and, you know, and, yeah, uh, you yeah. know they already had a, a dated uh, frame of mind back then. Yeah. Uh, just, just I'm, I'm talking a lot here, but just another review, I think uh, Paul alluded to the Rolling Stone um, earlier on, so um, Paul, what was the, the, the comment on Stone, uh, you had it. Uh, it was from Ken Barnes, and he said it was sadly unoriginal. So, what's original? And so in, there must have been point. there must have been <laughs> loads of albums that sounded like Queen Two in nineteen seventy four. Mm-hmm. Who knew? Yeah, I've, cert- I've certainly not heard them anyway. Uh, <laughs> I've certainly not heard them. But but, uh, journalists, I, journalists, for the most part, are failed musicians anyway, man. So, aye, better. Yeah. But, um, it's like I say, it's okay not to like it. It's fine. But at least have a, at least have a, a, a reason to. I, I'll like it. I have a const- a proper formed reason why you don't like it. Yeah, exactly. Don't just use use lazy journalism, like just passing something off as unoriginal. When in fact, when you actually analyse that statement, that's an unoriginal statement to make about anything. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and as we'll see as we go on through the albums, you know the the. These reviews and and fairly commas become personal <laughs> attacks on the band members. You know, yeah. Yeah. you know, as this man a prat, you know, from the enemy, you know that, you know, yeah, that's the enemy, you know. Yeah, respect that. Respect that for enemy. And and uh, you know, as you said earlier, David, the, the critics didn't give Queen anything, anything at all. Yeah, and that's right into the eighties. And yeah, well, you know, by the time we get the eighties, maybe some of that was justified, but you know. A lot of the time, it's just uh, it's, it's like, have you even listened to the fucking thing? You know. Yeah, I, th- I think um, a lot of the time, you know, they would just not get the credit for no matter what they released. You know, no, and no. they would never. They, 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 doesn't matter if they, if they released an album that sounded like OK Computer. You know, they would be getting slagged. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's it's you know it's you know, and obviously we know how great OK Computer is, but you know, it's, it's it doesn't matter what they put out. I think the critics would have just told them to piss yeah. off, basically. So. Um, I think that same review, um, which again, this one is, <laughs> I can't actually believe. The same Rolling Stone review said, there's a death of melody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Aye. And an album full of absolutely stunningly beautiful melodies, you know? Yeah. But, but, but I, I don't know, that bit's like Paul, but <laughs> that's kind of what Paul said as well earlier, go back to that. What? If that's lacking in melody, then what the fuck is is <laughs> brimming with melody in nineteen seventy four that, that can that can outrival that shit? 
the, the, the <laughs> Beach Boys. I mean, come on, let's go. I mean, that's a ridiculous thing to say, man. Even if they'd said something along the lines it's pretentious shit, I'd at least been like, right, okay, <laughs> exactly. I can understand that. This is a bit, you know, I, I think some reviewers did kind of say this is a bit over-the-top pompous crap, you know. And, and okay, you could say, you could go about 75% with them, with that, you know, apart from the crap bit, obviously. Because it is overblown and it is, you know. That's, that's why it's so good, though. Yeah. yeah. Aye. <laughs> it's, and so and it is pompous, yeah. It is. Um, it starts off with procession. Which is like, this is our entrance. We're coming in, and we're coming in like fucking royalty. Uh, to me, that that that's the perfect entrance um, melody or whatever you want to call it. It's not a quite a song, obviously. We're we're coming in, and this is what we're going to sound like. So strap in, kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, makes Indeed. a statement right away. Yeah, yeah. Everything, it, it, everything it, it, about them. It was. Uh, uh, sorry, David. Just saying about everything about them. Was to make a statement right from, like yeah. the, you know, the, the, the choice of clothes that they wore, the way they projected themselves and or live, you know, yeah. and, and it's that down to the album, like you're saying, the the, the photographer, yeah, Mick Rock, yeah. um, you know, he, he make, make us look bigger than we already are because to be to be fair, that's how you succeed. You know, if you just walk up there, you know, wearing a cardigan, I mean, it worked for Kurt Cobain, but you know, that was 1992 at that point. But at that point. You had to really stand out for the for the guys just standing like long hair and dirty jeans, you know. Just so I mean, that what they expecting, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's just it just again, I think it goes back to the whole can't believe these guys have got the balls to do this, and I think that's why mm-hmm. they automatically had their target painted on their back because they yeah. they, were, they weren't ashamed to say we're good, whereas a lot yeah. of bands would downplay downplay their, their kind of situation, yeah. you know, their stature, whereas they didn't. And, and and that's what that's what possibly separate even though this is regarded as a, a progressive rock masterpiece and all that you know contempt you know critics now and all that um, I think that what what makes Queen different from the progressive rock bands that were around at the time King Crimson yes and all that was that they had that element of showmanship and all absolutely yeah these yep. guys did not have the only prog band I could think of is maybe. When Peter Gabriel was in Genesis, but the rest <laughs> of the band were all embarrassed by by his showmanship, mm-hmm. and you know, and but that's still getting spoken they about. Got, and still, they, eventually, uh, they eventually got rid of him. Basically, you know, they they got him yeah. out of the band because of that. Because is, don't show off, you know. We, but we it's just, weird because we just want to play our instruments, and that should be enough. You need some sort of hook, even even back then. Having great music was there enough. It's, no. it's all about image, you know. As well, people and, and regardless want, yeah. of what you want to, oh no, we, we don't have an image. Well, the fact that you, you don't, have, don't have an image is your fucking it's image. An image, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so we're in the realm of David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust, all that. Um, you know, even meeting potato rock bands like Slade and all that. They had, you know, they they had some sort of hook. That you know, the the top part, the mirrors, and every band had something. You know, yeah. the, the sweet or you know the makeup and all that. It was all the time, and Queen had an absolute star, and, and Freddie Mercury as well. You know? I, it was yeah, just a at the time, but you know, yeah, this <laughs> is the the. 
the famous quote for Freddy is um, I think it's before live aid I think is it um, oh actually I think it's maybe when they're doing the one vision sessions and he's getting interviewed and he said you know I, I just think if I had the long hair and the, you know, the black fingernails now I'd look ridiculous I looked ridiculous then but it worked yeah. <laughs> and that's the point you know I mean it's just uh, he had like he had some eyeliner and some nail polish I mean some guys were going like the sweet, like you were saying, Paul. I mean, they, they, yeah. look, like, they, they look like ABBA. They, oh, the, the female members of ABBA, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, but I mean, it's weird. But, um, he it was even the most outrageous guy at that time, you know what I mean? No. no. Totally. And uh, there was a few, it's that same website, that Queen Archives website. And it, again, another shout out to it. So it's a really good website. But um, there were there was a few articles in it, and it was mentioned about Freddie looking evil. Good, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and they were saying he looks evil. You know, and you can get it on the co- even the cover of Queen too. You can see that's like evil. He looks, mm-hmm. and and even Freddie said, "I, I do look evil." You know, he was kind of agreeing, and it's quite quite funny. I, and some of the, some of the yeah. article and some of the stuff in the article was about definitely all of its time because there's a lot of kind of. Sort of homophobic type of language, yeah. and which which wasn't great. But you know, it's it. But yeah, no evil. But I thought it was quite Very cool. Funny. And he I, and he added, you know, it, it was not a he's not a you know a white guy from the English suburbs like the rest of them. Yeah, I had exotic looking as well. He was, he was exactly the word is exotic. You know, it, it brought about a, a, a bit of flair from you know other parts of the world. You know. Uh, and I think, yeah, as I say, you know, um, that's where Mark's, Mark's Queen has been different from, yes, Excuse me. you know, King Crimson and Gentle Giant and all these kind of bands. Yeah. Um, even though, in terms of uh, musicality, they could match these guys. Queen could live in that world quite easily. But, yeah, yeah. you know, right. they, 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 they wanted to be stars, they wanted to be famous, they wanted money, yeah. you know. When they were, they were just crafting great songs and they were, they were excellent at that right from right day one. Mm-hmm. You know, plus in Queen 2, obviously, they, they delved into the, the soundscape of things and the bigger pieces where the music took over and let the vocals kind of take a back seat now and again. But, like, um, um, I think... Um... <laughs> Even even trying to be a bit kinder to these reviewers, um, you know, maybe maybe the same reviewers a year or two years later actually listen to the album again. Well, do you know what? It's really fucking good. <laughs> you know, because because they've because they've committed the review to to paper, and, and when, once it's committed, they can't do anything about it. It's out there. It's published. You know. So, in fairness to them, maybe there was a point where they actually realised actually yeah. got it wrong. You know, I think. I, I think Rolling Stone, if they know got like a famous, uh, it's like top 10 terrible reviews they gave to absolute classic albums, you know, right. uh, so, so at one point they did admit, back in the 70s, maybe their writers were a bit, you know, <laughs> you know. Uh, um, and that, because that's the thing, I mean, that, you know, just even thinking about that, um, I mentioned Radiohead the earlier, <coughs> that, when I first heard Kid A, I thought, are you actually serious? This is your new album. It's, you're having a laugh. And if I was a, a reviewer, I would have wrote an absolutely terrible review of that album. 
at the time. But, uh, you know, about a year later, I, I thought, I'll get another shot. And I thought, this is actually pretty good. <laughs> you know, it's... Because so the expectations I, no longer there, I think that I think that's that's a large part of it, Joe. You know, because yeah. coming off of such a big album like uh, OK Computer and going into Kadi was a bit of a shock. So I think just on that, I mean, the reviews are just a snapshot in time, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I think we, it, you know, we, when I read them, I, I feel myself getting really, really pissed off, you know. But again, you just take a step back and you just wind your neck and realise, you know, what it's one. <laughs> one small review back in time, you know, but it's still interesting <laughs> to bring them up, I think, because just what, because it's good to get, a, to get an idea of what people were actually thinking about the album at the time. And the mm. thing is, I mean, the success of Queen, um, they were always topping the polls and all that, best ba- best new band and best live band and all, you know, the, the fans and the, yeah. the, the punters <laughs> in the street absolutely loved the band. You know, and that was getting shown and and all the you know the you know the, the you know the the polls and all the rest of it. You know, that's really common, but in it across rock history, that I mean, yeah, Sabbath, but a but a but a people's band. The, the critics hated them. I'm pretty sure ACDC were exactly the same. The yeah. critics hated yeah. ACDC. Yeah, I mean these bands. I mean, there's two bands who are absolute. Like at the, the pinnacle, you know, of rock music, you know, the building blocks of future rock music, yeah. Uh, and, and, and right away, they, they were slandered right for day one, you know. So, I mean, that in a way, it's good if the critics slide you back then, it's probably a good thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> not a bad thing, man. Yeah, uh, uh, no, sorry, I was just going to say, um, what when you heard this for the first maybe two or three times, what, what were the tracks that stood out for you? Which you mean when I very first heard it? Yeah. Over the standout tracks. Probably. If you were doing a mixtape, what would you take out of Queen 2 and put in your mixtape? All right, know? okay, right, that's easier, right? Well, definitely. <laughs> um, um, Nevermore would definitely be in it because I, I love that oh. song. I think the, the vocals are, I think the vocals are amazing Beautiful. in it. Beautiful. Aye, that, actually might, that actually might be. That and White Queen might be my two favourite songs uh, on. Uh, and White, it's weird because most yeah. people would probably think, you know, me, they'd probably say, oh, it'll be Ogre Battle, or, which is also an amazing track. I'm not, but, uh, but I think, like, White Queen's just like, in fact, yeah. I think White Queen is my favourite song on that record. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, what other ones? Um, Obviously, Father to Son because because it's just yeah. heavy, it's heavy. <laughs> it's some great riffing and stuff like that. But yeah, those they definitely come to mind. Obviously, Ogre Battle that needs to be mentioned simply for that opening riff. I mean, the song's great, and I love the I love the whole composition. But that that opening riff, man, it's just it's just metal incarnate, <laughs> yeah. written by and, and written by Freddie. So there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We're rhythms redolent of uh, the, you know, uh, what we come in the future, you know, thrash and absolutely, man. You know. So, what about you, David? What, what were the standout tracks for you when you you heard it the first first few times? Again, hearing it the very the very first few times, I've got no idea when that was. To be fair, and and you know, I was obviously extremely young. You know, it was obviously you bought the album, Paul. Uh, mm-hmm. We're brothers, by the way, in case case you know it's not obvious. <laughs> I'm no, I'm uh, not a brother. 
I'm your brother, <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking, fucking might as well be. I spent enough time in your house. <laughs> That's true. Um, but no, listen, so I don't know when, when the first time was, and um, I would have probably been about eight or nine, maybe ten at, at most. And um, <clears throat> But I do remember getting the, the tape for my Christmas um, as a wee stocking filler. Okay, um, I'd already, I'd already had the album, you know, recorded off the vinyl from your vinyl, Paul. You know, so I had the album. I was familiar with the album, but when I got it on tape, my own copy, I just played it and played it and played it, and and you know, I would, I would probably have been about a, maybe twelve at that point, eleven, twelve, and it was one of the Queen albums I just played constantly because it was because it belonged to me as well. It was one of those mm-hmm. things. So yeah. Queen Two, kind of like Joe with, with the you know the first Queen album, Queen Two is like that for me because uh, I just kind of almost wore out the tape playing it back back forwards. But standout tracks for me, um, I would have said March of the Black Queen. Yeah, uh, at the time it's been a standout track. Some some days I think it's off. Oh, she's what absolute masterpiece. And other days I think. It's, it, 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 it ends about five times, <laughs> you know. You're like, just just got to wrap this song up, you know. And, it's like and that, a... I'm being really harsh because it is a really a really excellent composition and a really it's a really great Queen song. It's but, like a pro- it depends where it hits me. A prototype Bohemian Rhapsody, in a way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think Freddie Mercury like, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, you know, just all the sections put together and all that, you know. What what other tracks then? Um, Father to Son is is one of my favourites. So yeah. been one of my favourites. I just love the. It sounds massive. Um, yeah, just a massive sounding song. Um, White Queen, as Joe said, White Queen's one of my favourites. Absolutely love Freddie's vocals on it, and and the, you know the, the loud guitars that come in and the and the, the chorus, absolutely brilliant. I'm looking someday, one day, I really like that as well, and lose on the end. It, it's it's more about the songs that I like less. <laughs> songs that I, yeah. you know. And you was funny how love was. I knew it was. That's how it is. It's the same as it's the one. I funny how love is to me is. It's, uh, it, it should have been on a B side, and you'd have probably thought, "Oh, come a quirky wee queen tune on the B side." I, I, I agree. I agree. You know. And I know it's meant to be tongue in cheek, and I know it's meant to be lovey dovey. That's the whole point. I don't think Freddie was Freddie's too witty and too, <laughs> you know, to be as as lovey dovey as this. But um, so I'm sure his tongue was completely in his cheek, but it just sounds so bloody. It's sickening almost to, to listen to it, and I think even down to the production, it's almost that wall of sound production, I see. and it's just layered like, like a, a lot. Which just makes it worse, I think. Seeing almost like a just acoustic guitar and Freddie singing it, and it wasn't as layered as it was. It probably wouldn't sound so bad. Um, but I think that's where maybe where the Queen sound, where it's married up with that really sweet stuff, it sounds. Oh, geez, it's maybe a bad mix. You know, this is just for me. This is just that particular song, and it's probably only been in recent years that I've thought that about that song previously. I've thought, okay, it's just that wee song in between, you know, March of the Black Queen and Seven Seas of Rye, you know, it's, it's no See, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, like no, I'm but... not that brutally offended by it, but <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, I, but, but I totally agree if it wasn't on the record it, it, wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't have harmed the album in any way, shape or form yeah. it, it doesn't ruin the album for me as such but it's just stuck. Yeah. I, I can see past it. it 
Aye, finish, I mean, so it sounds easier. I can finish the album it, off. You know, if, I, if I'm brutally honest, I mean, nine albums out of ten that are like up there, or sometimes probably even ten. There's always going to be there's always going to be a song that's not no going to live up to the to the absolute classics that's on it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but I totally agree. I don't I don't rate that song at all. So an yeah, afterthought, I mean, it's like an afterthought to me. That's what it sounds like. Aye, aye. It's we need to, I, I we need to eat fillers. <laughs> I, I don't even know. If, I don't even know if Freddie thought I'm getting too pompous and too, you know, out there with all my other compositions on this side. So I better just throw one wee, wee bit of kind of relief in there. You know, aye. just a wee sickly sweet song just to break up a little bit. Because it's know. so dark. It might have been. Aye. It might have been, man. It might have been that. It might have been this album's doom. <laughs> so, <laughs> Paul, so what about what about yourself I, then? What's what's, um, what's well what's your moments when the first songs of this that I got, you know, I got in the uh, strangely an appreciation. I, I love appreciation. I love the sound of that. It's just yeah, it's amazing. And and right into Father the Son. Father the Son's like a fucking great song, man. White Queen as well, and then. Flapping over to the other side, uh, March of the Black Queen, because I think at the time I was all about the metal and the, and a bit strangely enough, Oka Battle. I know they didn't quite click with me at the time, so they would be the ones that I would might even have skipped to those particular tracks um, on on the vinyl. You know, obviously it's best to listen to the whole thing. Uh, I think see the Oka Battle thing though with me is that. It's that the, the opening is so good that it's fairly hard to follow it up with a song. It's not that I don't it's not that I don't like the rest of the song, I do, but it just cause the start's so so good. It's, it's just like I know what you mean, because you've got that but, frantic but, frantic start and it goes into now once upon if it continued with that urgency into the verses, aye, like, yeah. oh, yes, yes, aye, yes. Aye. <laughs> like like, <laughs> stop, like like I know we're gonna we're gonna another album, but some like if it went along the lines of some like Stone Cold Crazy or something. Aye, but it just, yeah. it's like, going, uh, yeah, uh, it was, because um, it's such a great start. I, I, I think it's interesting, like, obviously Side White is like me side, and he wrote White Queen about uh, basically a girl he fancied at university, right. apparently. Yeah. But he, he hasn't really said anything about Father to the Son, and, you know, just some of the lyrics in it, you know, uh, you don't hear a single word I say, and all that. I'm wondering if he's writing about his, you know, his dad, because obviously he's mentioned that his dad was disappointed in him, giving up his thesis and all that to get his PhD to pursue this daft rock band oh, that he was what, in and all that. I'm wondering if maybe he was he was trying to think from his dad's point of view while writing a song. I, I don't know. I think um, me as a songwriter is quite upfront and quite Freddy, as we know, hides. Has feelings, feelings, and so all, all kinds of metaphors and images and all that, you know. Yep. You know, for instance, Bohemian Rhapsody is apparently, you know, about his homosexuality and coming out and all that, and you know, he's just killed a man basically. He's killed the man he was before and all this. Yeah. Who knows? Because he never, he would talk about his lyrics. Yeah. You know? But it's just a, just an interesting observation. It only came to me the other day. I was like, I wonder if he's writing about his dad. Aye, totally. what he thought about Brian doing this thing and me famously said that it wasn't until the News of the World Tour when they flew him and his mum out by Concord 
never played Madison Square Garden. He started finally saying, Aye, I, I, get get you, I get why you're doing this now, you know. Um, and he said that was a, a big just, moment for him, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just a point, I was, I don't know if this would probably be a bit weird, right? But I thought I'd mention it anyways. Like, obviously, Fairy fell a master strokes, a painting that Freddie nah. had, see, had seen. Richard yeah. Bad. And, 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 um, Apparently, it influenced him, like you know, to write to write a song about the painting. Mm-hmm. Then it made me think that see what the the the, the kind of um, vaudeville kind of stuff and, and and those type of weird quirky songs that they've got, the ones that Freddie wrote. I wonder how many of them is maybe inspired by paintings and stuff like that. You took a look at the painting and the, the period that the mm-hmm. painting was because you can totally look at that painting because I was looking at it today. I could totally look at that and I could hear harpsichords when I was looking at it and. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what I mean. So it makes, makes uh, me think maybe that was a. If that was the case, him being such, you know, being a, a you know, a designer and in the art and stuff like that. I wonder if that um, art had a lot to do with, with instrument choices and, and modes in the music, you know, because there's like a lot of medieval sort of stuff in Queen Two as well. Like you know, yeah. you know what I mean, like medieval mm-hmm. scales and stuff, and especially in the Freddie numbers, I noticed. And there's like I could totally see him being. Take, looking at art, artwork and stuff like that, and being like, "This, this makes me feel this would be the right soundtrack for that painting." <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, right. it's, maybe it's a totally off the wall thing to say, but I thought I'd mention it anyway. But no, that's that's kind of interesting. I mean, I, I, by no means a a matter of kind of insert history that doesn't exist in the band, you know. But it, it's not inconceivable to think that because they they didn't have a lot of money to actually do things that they would go to the free art galleries and they'd spend their days, you know, maybe, you know, they, they weren't rehearsing and weren't recording, you know, they would go and they're gigging, they would just maybe go and waste some time at, at art galleries and Freddie especially, you know, so to have that influence yeah. for the paintings and beyond, you know, the Freddie Fellers masterstroke, it seemed seem yeah, possible. I, I, just, I, just I just thought because it's so, I mean, it's some of some the, the, the kind of quirkier, Numbers in, in the seventies, man, it's like they're so strange. Mm-hmm. Even even in the rock in the rock world, you know what I mean? To to put those kind of instruments in like harpsichords and and just the, the the kind of structure like they were almost written like to be of that generation. You know what I mean? It was like a harp back, like a kind of tribute almost to those types of genres of music and look old. And even obviously going back to to that kind of period and stuff like sounds like medieval. I thought it was just kind of interesting. That maybe maybe think a wee bit. I thought it was it was worth <laughs> yeah. mentioning just for discussion to see what you guys thought. I'm sniffing glue. <laughs> <laughs> I can totally see um, see you know looking at a painting and thinking and hearing hearing music. Yeah, look yeah, that's painting. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Same way, the same way we look at Queen Two, and it creates a dark. Like if somebody gave me Queen Two, right, the the, the artwork and it wasn't abandoned. It was just artwork. And say write a song. What, what, is, what kind of song does this inspire you to write? It would be something really dark and doomy. Well, like a soundtrack you would hear in your head to an image. So that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So of course the album for us, um, you know, it's, it's evident how much we love the album and, and you know the influence it's had on our, our lives. Um, but you know, it's not just us, it's it's obviously all the Ukraine fans out there, no doubt. Um, might not be one of your favourite albums, but um, for us it definitely is. But it's had actually had quite an impact on the the rock world in general since, really. So, Paul, you you put, put up some quotes from from people about the album itself. So, is there anything you wanted to 
Well, uh, they wanted uh, to mention. You've put me on the spot because I don't have actual quotes, but uh, you know, I, I, uh, off the top of my head, uh, I do know that uh, Axel Rose, who is a big Queen fan, um, you know, uh, for instance, on the Usual Illusion tour, he used to sing Sailor Wee's Sweet Sister. Uh, Badly. Badly, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he uh, certainly took part in the, the, you know, the Freddie Mercury tribute concert and all that. Um, so uh, he, badly, <laughs> badly. This is terrible. He cites uh, Queen Two has been his his favourite Queen album. Uh, also, probably more uh, in a more more kind of musical kind of vein, maybe. Uh, Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins um, says that's his his favourite album. Uh, and you know, I I guess in terms of the, you know his output. Um, that you can see that there's a Queen influence there, certainly. Definitely, especially with Melancholy, with all the yeah. diff, different types of songs and stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, uh, if, you're, uh, if you're into, especially on the heavier side of things, you know, if you're into metal and all that, um, if you don't know what Queen 2 is, then, you know. Oh, I, shit. I, 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 it makes me sad. It's like, it's like people that say, you know, the Beatles are shite and they didn't influence anything that I listened to. But, you know, it's just like, you know, shut up. Uh, if you're into heavy metal music, hard rock, even progressive rock, this album is a big deal to the musicians that play it. Absolutely. Um, and uh, if uh, there, there are metal musicians, whatever, that are out there, who maybe haven't heard of this, or dismiss Queen out of hand, saying they're a shitty pop band, whatever, because they're just influenced by the hits they've heard or whatever, or the frivolous stuff, bicycle race, all that kind of stuff, don't stop me now. Maybe the underlying mission of doing this podcast is to, is to you know, say that Queen absolutely, you know, have a, a massive influence in heavy metal music. Uh, all heavy music and it's not in dispute so if you want to dispute it come at me we're on Twitter at Pods, come at me come on so that's Paul he'll he'll, he'll fight me I I can't be bothered to be fair but uh, Paul can do that (laughs) so but I think that's uh, is a good point I mean you know we're talking about you know the the Swedish death metal come progressive death metal come progressive band whatever you want to call them new Opeth (laughs) <laughs> you know the the you know um, lead singer and guitarist and basically the the mastermind behind the band is massive a massive Queen fan and some of their stuff is absolutely off the scale yeah heavy and aggressive you know so it's it's just an example of how how far their their, their influence is you know and I, and their influence in people like George Michael obviously in the eighties and you know so that you get people like that getting influenced by by Queen and you get people like. Swedish death metal guys getting influenced by Queen as well. It's it's that shows you the that's that's why we're doing this bloody podcast because diversity. What a band, you know. What I mean, and that's the thing as we get through this this you know on each album, we're not just going to be oh right, let's find the heavy tracks. You'll you'll, you'll realise when we get through this. I mean, we've even done it slightly here, you know, whereas some of the actually the the more subtle songs are our favourites. Um, you know, so it's it, it's 
if it's a good song, it's a good song, and that's what you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna hopefully um, hear from us, you know, as we go through. Um, again, as we said, you're not gonna agree with us every single time, and um, that's that's all right. That's that's fine because um, nobody's right or wrong. Well, I I'd say I'm definitely right. I don't know about these a lot, but I'm I'm definitely right. Just um, agreed with everything you said, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just well. Uh, remember, um, Joe, we talked about uh, Funny How Love Is and, you know, mutually that's maybe one of the weaker tracks on the album, but you said you too that, you know, what's the other one that you, you don't rate as highly as the other tracks? Uh, yeah, the, the other one that it's obviously a far better song than the one you just mentioned, but um, Seven Seas Are I, I mean, it's a good song but ultimately it's, it's kind of one-dimensional and in comparison again to the, the, the other songs that are on it, um, I think it's just kind of, uh, there's not really much to it. It kind of just, it's one or two parts and it just kind of repeats and then ends. That's just how I how I kind of hear it. Yeah. Whereas, you know, like there's, there's not a lot of peaks and troughs and stuff like that, like there is in a lot of the other songs. It kind of almost feels like it was written quickly just to, to have an outro for the album. But, that may that may have very well have been something that they laboured over, but as a listener, I, I, it's not. Like I say that's not a bad song by any stretch, but I just feel that it's a kind of after no an afterthought. But it's just it's kind of like a here's here's something quick to just fill this gap to, to end the record because obviously they couldn't have ended it on the the, the song before. Do you know what I mean? It's that although it's a good song, it's not good, it's not got an end of album vibe. Do you know what I mean? And we say this a lot in this podcast. These podcasts, you know, um, I agree with you. I agree with that. I agree, you know, and I'm making no secret of that fact. But I, I do see your point because it's one of these songs that it's got to hit me in the right mood as well. You know, it's. Um, I, I think yeah. I didn't think too much about it for a long time, and then I'll maybe go through a phase for listening and go think that's a that's a belter of a of a track. So it's one of those ones that 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 comes in and out. I, I said that about Black Queen, obviously, you know, earlier on, but that, to a much lesser extent, I mean, Black Queen is, is, a, is a great piece of work, you know, absolutely, whereas Seven Seas are I, I, I do agree with you, it's, it's very simple, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and some of the, the simple Queen songs are absolutely great and they nail it, you know, but, um, you know, so, that's interesting, yep, so I just thought I'd uh, try and <laughs> remember to ask you about that one, because, we we talked about the the the, the fun how love is so, but uh, do you know one one last thought uh, maybe um, just something I was thinking about actually I was going to bring it up earlier and I think we we got off off topic slightly. I wonder what I would have actually thought about Queen at the time. You know, obviously I'd have been a different person in the music I was into that at that time would have been different, slightly different to what it was. I mean, I was born in nineteen seventy nine, so obviously. Uh, you know, it's it's. I grew up in a totally different time period, but I wonder. I wonder. If, I would have thought they were a bunch of pompous assholes. I wonder mm-hmm. if I would have thought, awesome. God, see that Freddie Mercury, see the piss he comes out with, and <laughs> you know, I don't know. Would, would have you know? So I just, I was just thinking about that today, taking a step back and, and look, look, looking at some of the interviews where I think, oh, just can't be bored with this, this this band, man. Just it's like they're getting all this exposure and this. I, I don't know, maybe not. I don't know, but it depends what kind of music fan you'd have been at the time. Because you have, I mean, you know, I think we've all been guilty of this in the past, where a band's image or a band's um, 
persona and the media or whatever before we've actually heard the music, it's actually sickened you off, giving them a chance. Definitely. You know, and I wonder how much of that happened to Queen in the early seventies. Maybe the fact that they were so sure and they were, you know, just um, pushing the envelope a wee bit. People were a wee bit like off put by it and just didn't want to give them a chance. So. Case anyway, I'm, I'm not, aye, well, mm-hmm. that's it. I, I'm not. Yep. I'm not trying to say I definitely would have. Wouldn't have liked Queen at that point. Um, but I just wonder, you know, um, if that was true for some people at that time, you know. And then maybe it wasn't till, you know, a year, two years after, maybe this album or something, when they maybe started to straighten out a wee bit, um, that they start thought, ah, do you know what? That's a good band there, you know. Um, but anyway, just just a point, just a thought, yeah. really. And, you know, and, mm-hmm. and because I think that's the point of this podcast. We're trying to be as objective as possible. You know, we're very close to Queen, so it's hard to kind of you know take the step back and actually be yeah. critical. But I think we're, we're doing okay so far. So yeah. um, and I think that. I think certainly the next album um, is where a lot of people at the time would have suddenly found out who uh, Queen were. I, I agree. Where we are yeah. number two hit single. You know, to get to yeah. number two in nineteen seventy four. Um, you know, that's all. How many millions? About half a million, million and a half single. Yeah, as, maybe. As much as that, right? Okay. Um, no, no. It was a million. About it was roughly about a million, wasn't it? Uh, and one week we got with I got you number one. So I, right. You know, half okay. a million, maybe three quarters of a million. Three quarters of a million. Like yeah. But yeah, so obviously a big, big selling single, and I think that's um, obviously we're going to be talking about that in the next podcast as well. You know. Um, but I think just to wrap up on Queen 2, for me, it is the start of Queen. It, you know, it's, it's it's the one, you know, the, the first album, you're maybe sitting back in your seat, you're nodding your head, you're going, hmm, there's something there, yeah, yeah. When you get to Queen 2, you're on the edge of your seat, you're actually, and you're, you're putting your head closer to the speakers to go, yeah. what the hell is this I'm listening to, you know? And, you're on it, you're and, on and, it, and and you're probably thinking to yourself, I don't know what I've just listened to. <laughs> you're probably uh, listening to it again and again and again, and eventually it's just becoming one of these albums that is important in your life. I, I think it is a masterpiece. But even Fairy Fellas Master Masterstroke is as quirky and off the wall as it is. I still really like it. It's it's just it's just bonkers, but it's it works. It's just got that you know, that that, that kind of craziness about it, you know. And Freddie's personality all over the top of it, you know. So it's a great tune. Anyway, I'm I'm going to leave it there in terms of my, my thoughts on the album. Um, Paul, come to you. Um, any final thoughts on Queen 2? You've probably said it all already in, in the yeah. uh, podcast. But... Yeah, you know, um, there might be people out there who maybe haven't listened to it that much. Or, you know, give it its due um, and give it a listen, you know, because uh, as Joe was saying earlier, there's still stuff he, he's hearing. And it, if you've heard that a million times, even there's there's always something there. And it's so dense and so fuller invention and everything. There's always something there for everybody, and that's a mark of a great album. I think we're we're, we're now leaving, like all great bands, it's all you know. Every album is a progression, and the next album is completely different from, although it has. The elements in it of the fantasy type stuff that is it is in Queen Two and, and hey, first hey, album. Hey, that's enough for no right. Oh, right. I get in it yet because we're going to be talking about it <laughs> in the next podcast. Don't right, yeah, yeah. Man, right. So we'll get time so to date the The next album, um, but we're going to hear something completely different again. And the next album and the next album, 
uh, and that's what makes make Queen a fucking great fan. Good. Joe, any final thoughts on Queen 2? Uh, pretty much everything that's already been said. Uh, it's just, if you're looking for an album that's is going to maybe challenge, challenge you a wee bit, especially if you're, again, we keep going back to people that like heavy rock and heavy metal and stuff like that. If you're in this day and age, you know, 2020 and stuff like that, if you're looking to really kind of do your history and maybe open your mind to some different genres that you maybe wouldn't have otherwise. Queen's, not just this record, but Queen in general, is, the, is probably the number one band I would refer somebody to because I think, and especially on Queen 2, it's, I mean, it's because of Queen 2 that, well, not just Queen 2, but definitely part of it, uh, is one of the reasons why, and I agree probably be you as well, David and Paul, um, is why I like multiple styles of music. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's huge because I mean I heard heard Queen two probably taking a rough rough guess. They've been eighty seven, probably eighty six, eighty seven, round up round about there. Because like like David um, and Paul, I've got an older brother that was into Queen as well. Um, so he's he's like nearly ten years older than me. So anyway, yeah, it's just it's just a, 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 a an amazing album, and it, and it opens your mind up to loads of different styles and, and how they can be appreciated, I think. That's what I take for Queen 2. It's, it's, just, it's just an album that if you can really get, give it the time, then you will uh, expand your, your musical palette. Ah, it's a very, very good point. I mean, and that's, that's the thing when it comes to hard rock and, and metal fans. You know, One thing that's levelled at those type of fans is they're very close-minded, and I don't think that's necessarily fair or, or true. No, uh, not, not um, at all. But if you get your, 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 you know, your fans that are into more, you know, more adventurous kind of, uh, more adventurous yeah. bands, you know, whether it's within the confines of metal or, or rock or, or, or whatever, they'll give this mm-hmm. album a chance, you know. And I, I, think I, that's, I guess that's what that, that that's the point, you know. Um, I think Queen Queen Two is definitely um, gave gave you like um, kind of give you a pass to like for me anyway that it was cool to like stuff that wasn't just heavy, mm-hmm. and you know what I mean if it's really well done because yeah. It's so well. The stuff that isn't heavy on it isn't. It's some of the best stuff on it. Yeah, like you, like you said earlier. That's that's pretty much my, my point on it. All right then. So we're going to leave it there for Queen Two. Um, thanks for joining us again, and uh, we're going to tackle um, the next album, which you all know, I'm sure, um, is Sheer Heart Attack. And um, yeah, as Paul said, that you know we're going to move the. The music, the music, music is going to move on from this album, as you know, and we're going to talk about the, the styles on that album and, and the influence it has on us. Um, but Queen Two, yeah, what an album! Absolutely, what an album! So we're going to leave it there, Paul. Cheers! Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time, Joe. Again, thanks for listening. Hope some of it was informative, and if not, don't take it to heart. like it okay thanks very much cheers and thanks for listening see you next time